Welcome to Rhythm of Previews, where we check out the preview chapters of Rhythm of War, the fourth Stormlight Archive novel. I am Danielle with the 17th Shard. And I'm Marvin. Hello. Hi. <laughs> As always, there will be Rhythm of War spoilers, duh, uh, from here on out. And then we also have some minor, like, Cosmere <laughs> references. <laughs> here and there not major spoilers but there will definitely be some references so uh what annotations did we have for um the previous chapter chapter eight yeah so as always brenton has written an annotation on reddit for last week's chapter chapter eight and this time around he like we had moash in last week's chapter and so he talked about how he approached writing him in rhythm of war and more or less it boils down to him go or like he had to go or the chapter had to go through several several revisions because he wanted to get the tone right and even already in the alpha read it had to go through revisions because like Mawash and Kaladin talking and like almost driving him to suicide or trying to drive him to suicide is a sensitive issue and you have to get the tone right there and basically what he wanted to bring across was for one Kaladin's mental exhaustion there and that it's really on that he has to acknowledge that something is wrong with him and he does have to take a step back or like take care of himself but he also wanted to show that Moash at his core like what he he still tries to be a good friend but he doesn't really know how to rationalize it or how to go about it and so yeah, he tries to help Kaladin that way, but he doesn't really know how to do it. And also Brent mentioned that his actual sort of problem or what he really cares about and just doesn't realize is that he just wants to justify his actions to himself and doesn't really care about their friendship and instead just, yeah, wants to, that he abandoned Kaladin and sort of more or less betrayed the Windrunners. He just wants to justify it to himself and that he's also not in a good spot there, Moash. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we do have confirmation that he was trying to get Kaladin to mm-hmm. yeah. commit suicide. Um, he w- That was his goal. And that's actually even confirmed in this chapter in Kaladin's viewpoint, at least his perception of it. Yeah. Um, well, let's just dive right in. <laughs> um, so our epigraph, Pewter expresses an attribute in force augmenting the spren trapped inside and it uses stormlight more quickly than the other cages yes <laughs> so i guess pewter <laughs> is uh, for one the the faster consumption of stormlight fits with elementic pewter mm-hmm. which has a faster burn rate and what else I note is sort of like why it would be the one that uh, expresses an attribute in force is that probably or maybe like in elements in ferrochemy the pewter is the physical metal sort of like it really focuses on the physical and um, for when it makes you stronger and the ferrochemy it stores physical strength and so maybe the sort of deeper connection there is that. Um, it helps actually have uh, help the spren affect the physical realm with the attribute they have. This mm. is what I thought there. That that was my interpretation of it as well. I mean, I didn't know that it was going to be pewter, but I knew that they were going to talk <laughs> about the continuing metals, and this just makes sense. Pewter augmenting the amount of like in this example, they said flame spren would create heat mm-hmm. and pewter cage causes that to happen i wonder what like a bronze cage would happen with the flame spren or something like that you know maybe a thermometer or something like that or like a yeah yeah because it's yeah it could it, it could sense like yeah exactly mm-hmm. so i thought that was really really interesting and i mean sort of so thinking along the elementsy sort of parallels it then makes me wonder what tin would have as an effect mm-hmm. because like it's the opposite sort of in 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 elementary and so maybe it's something that is is um included in uh, like we have diminishers like the pain fabric or pain wheels they mm-hmm. reduce the uh, sort of the the attribute of the sprint so maybe that's what tin does or maybe some other metal metal does it so 
probably and then all the different combinations of the Mm -hmm. different spren it seems like it's more the spren and the metal that causes the fabriel to act as it does not the gemstone so much yeah because like like in the last one they talked about um was it heliodor yeah um yeah so it's and then she mentions oh you can use other gemstones that's okay too so it's more like the metal is the big part of the fabriel that causes it to act however they want it to so yeah maybe just the gemstone makes it easier probably to like if Mm -hmm. it's aligned with the thren or something like that Mm -hmm. uh, but it's not maybe more efficient Mm -hmm. yeah grid burning of stormlight all right um after the epigraph we go into kaladin's point of view it's very short i think um kaladin is exhausted he's more exhausted than he would normally be even he even while being infused with stormlight he just feels weak and uh still comes up tells him that loran another windrunner um squire has spoken her third ideal while they were inside the burning building and she asks kaladin to go and congratulate her he's just so tired and he's still dealing with the aftermath of meeting moash again and dealing with all of that and all those battles that he was in so he he just kind of waves it off and he wants to sit and drink his broth sill explains to him really in a sad tone you know she doesn't know what to do to help him um teft comes around and he's nudging kaladin to show strength to his troops um do his duty congratulate loran and that's kind of just how it ends he's really struggling at this point on the fourth bridge yeah uh, I, even after that marsh thing i thought that maybe kaladin would be more willing to so acknowledge that he is in a really bad state there and that he should accept some help, but he still is refuse uh, or refuses to accept it, and it's getting a little exhausting to read Kaladin not dealing with it, or like he finally just has to accept some help, and even still here acknowledges it and says she doesn't know how to help. She gets becomes really desperate, and yeah, I don't like seeing her in that mood. Yeah. Um- a lot of people have a problem reading Kaladin's point of views because of his depression and his gloominess that people say, like he's broody and everything. So these chapters right now in the previews must be really difficult for those mm-hmm. Kaladin kind of haters. <laughs> but in in my opinion, like I just feel bad for him. You know, I feel like it's a build up to something really drastic that's going to happen with him. But I'm reading these more like Syl in the situation. I don't have depression. I don't know how it mm-hmm. feels, but I do have friends who have depression and I feel the same way that Syl does. I don't know what I can do to help them. I feel helpless. I feel like really sad and frustrated that I can't help when my friend is dealing with some pain that I can't even imagine dealing with. So I'm reading it more on Syl's end as a character because it's so frustrating to her that she can't help her best friend, you know, her, her bond. So it's, it's really sad. And I know that it's building up to something that's going to explode into um, a big plot line. So. Yeah. It also makes me think that probably all of bridge four, like original bridge four, they all feel probably like still. And also they want to have Kaladin, but don't know how to do it either and yeah it does make one wonder where it will explode because it's it's not like where you don't see any sign as of now of it getting better at all like that's out of the question right now but um like it has to come to a head at some point and yeah and just- and kaladin was really good friends with moash and maybe not to that level with the other members of bridge four they all have a, a connection together but moash was actually kaladin's best friend and that's what makes mm-hmm. it so so strongly felt by by kaladin versus the rest of the bridge four and i think he does mention that there's more windrunners than he could establish a rapport with like he did with bridge four like bridge four was this close-knit group and they all went through the same thing but now he has 
you know, 300 wind runners. So he, he probably also feels a, a bit alone. Mm-hmm. You know, he can't really connect with all of those people. And then the people in his bridge that he went through all of that with were not best friends with Moash. So they kind of just write him off as a traitor, but mm-hmm. they don't really, they're not, they're not affected by it as much as Kaladin is. Yeah, that I think was uh, was really noticeable with Teft there. He didn't really, or like he said, uh, he can storm off or whatever. Moash, like he, that traitor, and they better watch out for him. Or, and if they see him, I don't know, they probably kill him on sight. While Kaladin actually, like, he froze again in that fight. Yeah. It's what, uh, like, Renarin has told Teft that Kaladin apparently, or oh, it looked like he froze. And. Kaladin sort of uh, finishes uh, finishes that sentence himself, like again that he froze again, and mm-hmm. um, like he did pre- previously with um, other people being in peril. Like when Elokar died, he froze. When apparently Lopen almost died a few months ago, which I wonder whether that maybe has something to do with Dawnshard, because we know Lopen is in Dawnshard, and so mm-hmm. maybe as a consequence of that or something. Uh, Kaladin probably will freeze up again at some point, mm-hmm. and that point it will really cost cost him something. And, and in Kaladin's it- mind, he he even said, "I didn't even like Elokar. Like I didn't even like him, but I froze, and I think that that's because Moash was there. Mm-hmm. It's more of his fight with Moash rather than you know failing to protect Elokar. Maybe, yeah." yeah. <laughs> So, it's a tough chap. That's a tough uh, point of view to read. Um, yeah. It's really kind of setting the tone for this chapter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then we move on to another viewpoint. Uh, we get another Navani uh, section here, and so there. We don't learn this right at the beginning of the chapter or of a viewpoint, but they are on their way back to the shattered plains with the Windrunners. And apparently Navani is sort of in a small office, which is actually just a wooden sphere um, that is lashed by the Windrunners. And she's examining the Void Fabrial that Kaladin and Lyft um, saw the uh, singers use in the in the mansion. She notices that there doesn't appear to be a sprint trapped in the, any of the gemstones. Um, she doesn't recognize metal either. And she also knows that the gemstones have an unusual cut. But what she does notice is that there are similarities between that white fabriel that we saw and the Urithiru gemstone pillar, because she actually knows that there is something that a, the gemstone, gemstones have exactly the same cut. They have the same arrangement. They're also garnets, which the white fabriel is made of. And so she theorized that that Fabrial might have served to maybe suppress diffuse abilities. So sort of the opposite of what, or sort of the analog of what the Fabrial did for the Knight's Radiant. Mm-hmm. Then she actually goes into like the whole chapter or like the chapter is actually called um, Contradictions and Navani chapter, Navani's point of view really demonstrates that she talks about how in patterns you always find some contradiction and that's actually showing how the whole pattern works and in Fabrials soul casters are that exception or that contradiction because they don't really fit any of the patterns that they know of the modern Fabrials at least and so she actually reveals sort of that in the cognitive realm the soul casters have actually or do actually have a sprain attached to them which so it's sort of it looks like it's sleeping or like it has its eyes closed. They're actually figuring out how many of the Eurythiru Fabrials work, like the lifts and the and the warm water and what they have. Um, but soul casters and other mysteries are still eluding them. And that's basically where when they then arrive at the plains, and she actually at that point finds Ruby attached to her table. And she noticed that it's actually half a ruby and it's part of a span read. And she then sets down the span read and it writes and the sort of the other party of the span read implores her to stop um, basically using fabrials and to stop capturing and enslaving spren. And the other party sort of claims that they will make, make her stop if she doesn't do it on her own. So they are threatening her. And that's where her point of view leaves off because she doesn't get an answer after that from the span read. So 
Yeah, what your that was a really, really, really cool point of view. Learned mm-hmm. a lot. That was what I would call an info dump. <laughs> 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 but a really well written one, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a cool one. Um, so before we we go into like all the juicy bits, I just wanted to say that Dalinar flying with the goggles and stuff and Navani <laughs> talking to him, I thought that was really cool. Like I want to see fan out of it's so bad. Because yeah. she's in this like sphere with like tapered ends, and it probably looks like like a ufo to people on the ground <laughs> and she's like studying while she's flying she doesn't even have windows or anything and so she doesn't really care that much oh she does have a window because yeah, she, she can see window, yeah. dalinar yeah. flying <laughs> and and dalinar's out there and she thinks that it's like his masculine ego or whatever mm-hmm. like he doesn't want to ride in the carriage and he wants to fly but like honestly who wouldn't want to fly Navani, the, yeah. the workaholic, doesn't want to fly. But <laughs> <laughs> like, and then she was saying they should be flying with their feet first, and they're like, that just doesn't feel natural. <laughs> so she's all logic, and they're like, just enjoy flying, <laughs> like it's fun. <laughs> I, th- I yeah. just thought that was a really neat little touch of yeah. you know characterization. <laughs> it and really t- and also touches on their relationship there as well. Like it was really neatly woven in that it's like uh, she compares. Um, Delana to a child being outside there with the windrunners who are like sky eels mm. and he tries to fit in but doesn't really and but she uh, that she loves that child and it's just cool to see that <laughs> I love that she calls him a chill yeah I really want to see fan of that maybe <laughs> Delana is the child or like on and outside oh, with yeah. these ridiculous goggles and <laughs> Yeah. I'm like writing down all the stuff that I want to sketch <laughs> because I don't want to do anything right now and spoil stuff for people and post it online or anything. But that is definitely a scene that I want to draw. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to that. Yeah. So <laughs> getting to into some of the uh, chat or like uh, the plot there, what mm-hmm. I found interesting, like when Navani also thought about the contradictions and like she said that Yasna really likes getting into the secrets, but that she herself actually doesn't like secrets at all. And it was quite interesting that I think that she said that the artifabrians are keeping their secrets for themselves, so they're not mm-hmm. freely sharing them, which I find a little weird because they're in at war and it would be kind of uh, really beneficial for them to share a bit of knowledge. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I liked the juxtaposition of Navani thinking about how, how Yasna approaches uh, data research and how she does, because Yasna looks at the contradictions as disproving a, a theory. And Navani looks at them as a way of proving the pattern. You know, I thought that was really neat. It's mm-hmm. t- totally a, um, a good example of how differently two science enthusiasts could think <laughs> about a problem. <laughs> yeah, like uh, I just really loved the whole sort of beginning section of her talking about like oh contradictions and mm-hmm. uh, she always wants to find the pattern. Yet like, it wasn't like you said it was an info dump, but uh, yeah. Brent just I, I could listen to or uh, read a whole book of Navanich's info dumping mm-hmm. on us. Yeah. 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 And, and then she was looking at the void Fabril and she's like trying to figure out what's going on with this. And it doesn't fit the mold, just like the um, soul casters don't really fit the mold because she can't figure out what the metal is, which is really mm-hmm. interesting because now we know how much importance metal has on the Fabril. Um, she can recognize the stones as garnets, but they don't seem to have spread in them. And she notes that that mirrors the towers Fabril and there's something which she doesn't quite put a you know finger on, but there's something that tells her that they do the same thing, which is kind of unraveling the mystery (laughs) and actually i think the use of garnets there is kind of interesting because like if you want to i want to figure out what why garnets like she doesn't really get why it's garnets it -hmm. could be that may i could see that maybe in the modern fabrials the gemstone is less important because you actually sort of um imprison or like trap the spren and really exploit its effect but maybe for the more ancient fabrics like soul casters as well we know that you need um, 
like emeralds for soul casting gray and things like that. Mm -hmm. So maybe the gemstones are more important there. And uh, mm -hmm. why garnets specifically, I, what I theorized is that like garnets, their essence is blood. Mm -hmm. And so maybe the the garnet or the blood aspect sort of has to do with targeting humans or singers because like we saw that the that the fuse was not affected by the Fabrial. Uh, he was capable of still teleporting, but uh, so maybe like it really ta it targets human blood or it targets singer blood. That's mm. what I thought maybe is what the garnet does. Well, she also posited at first that the um, the Fabrial in Eurythru might have been used to suppress radiant abilities. Mm. And then she immediately dismisses that. But what if that's the purpose of it? Like, what if that that giant tower was originally, you know, a Parshendi city or something? Or maybe it was used to um, cause all the radiance and the normal people to be more of at the same level. Like, there's no um, difference of power or anything between them. So maybe that is what the purpose of it was and not specifically to stop the fused. It's possible. Mm. Yeah, I think it doesn't necessarily fit like all we know about Judith That's true, that's true. Like we know for one that, or at least the law has it, that it was specifically built for the Radiance or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like in the play, they talk about the place closest to honor. So that might be a thing, but also like we have that one gemstone archive windrunner who says that true. he wants to fly one last time or down the, or wants to fall down the tower one last time and things like that. So true. That's true. Yeah. I didn't even I think mean, about that. The, the library that they had with the gemstones, like mm -hmm. those wouldn't yeah. even really work. Would they like if, if it was the same. Yeah. I mean, depends on what exactly the Fabrial does. Like maybe it just specifically target search binding or something like that. So maybe it was also just like a trap or something like that, that they could have triggered it if something went down could also be oh case, yeah like a like a protection against mm -hmm. an invading force or something yeah i don't know but <laughs> yeah anyway, i think it's just i just want to like we know now that like that was also just uh, uh, an enormous revelation there that ancient fabrics have a spread attached to them that mm -hmm. i think was a theory before but that they actually have like a fixed spread sort of mm -hmm. and uh, um, that they apparently are close to the radiance spread so i just want to see that white fabrial in the cognitive realm and maybe it's going to be some higher white spread who is sort of attached to it there yeah, and I was kind of drawing parallels between those intelligent spren that have their eyes closed and the dead eye spren mm -hmm. who have their eyes like it looks like it's torn or something. Um I wonder if they there's a way that it's being used to kind of mimic that and keeping them more in the physical realm rather than the cognitive and so mm. that they can't exist fully in one over the other. They have to be in either one or the other. And so they're kind of like comatose in the cognitive where they're not really able to respond to any stimulus. Because hmm. <laughs> it, there's, it's just yeah. weird that they mentioned that their eyes were closed. Like that's a very specific mm -hmm. mention of they have their eyes closed. And that's mentioned with the dead eyes spread. And, you know, their eyes are scratched out. What is the... What is the connection between those two? Yeah, true. So, but I actually thought when I read that, that like it's one of the highest brand there, or like at least looks like one of the highest brand was that we know that only sort of the, or like there's, or most of the spren are sentient, but not sapient. So they are sort of animal-like and don't necessarily have or form thoughts and mm -hmm. uh, things like that. And that the higher spren are sapient, like we see them talking in, in mm -hmm. Shadesma. So what I have always sort of had as a theory, and I think others had too, is that what distinguishes sort of the ancient fabrics from the, from the modern ones is that they have a voluntary bond more or less or like they mm -hmm. voluntarily say okay i'm going to give you my abilities and maybe exchange for stormlight or something like that mm -hmm. and so that 
I really like that we see a highest friend acting here because that sort of fits with that. That also like the Oathgate's friend, they see it as their calling sort of to protect or um, make the Oathgate work. So I think that would be a really cool, or it, I'd find it really cool if that was how it worked. Yeah. And I knew that this was going to be a big ethical problem with Navani. Mm-hmm. They called her a monster. Like that's pretty intense. The person on the other end of the the span read was sounded like they were some kind of advocate for spren rights, you know, like an animal rights advocate or something. Like like you need to stop enslaving them, you monster. <laughs> You're the monster, Navani <laughs> Colin. Um I don't know. I'm I'm wondering if this is one of the maybe one of the reasons that Shalon and Adolin are shown in the shades. Mar on the cover, maybe that has something to do with it. This person on the other side of the span read is maybe a spren. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, what I find weird about that would be that, like, if it was a spren or if they have a problem with them entrapping spren in gemstones, why are they then using Ephebriel to mm-hmm. communicate with them? So it's a little hypocritical, I think. But I also like that it might be a spren because. They also are in the know, like they say, or, or like Navani says, um, that the other higher spren are actually okay with it. They don't see it any differently. Like they are just thinking about them like work animals. And that even the honor spren don't have a problem with it. And then they say, oh, the honor spren don't, cannot be trusted anymore. So mm-hmm. they, if, if they are serious about the threats and like actually care about the spren um they probably were around for a longer time already and so i think it would fit if they were a spren but mm-hmm. how that then works is I don't well know. maybe it's someone writing on behalf of spren mm-hmm. you know maybe it's a someone out there who knows the struggle and and kind of commiserates with them about it yeah I mean, like we also know that, or like Navani notes that the uh, women's script that they use is like it's a little as uh, um, scraggly and mm-hmm. not um, all that neat. So, mm-hmm. what I also thought it is that maybe it's a singer, like possible or a man. Mm-hmm, yeah, something like that. So, I mean, can't really. To, uh, theorize too much about it because we literally know nothing about that person but there are many possibilities yeah yes it's yeah, gonna be a lot of spren politics i feel like mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're talking about how the honor spren can't even be trusted but like we we know from earlier chapter that they're running out of honor spren for the wind runners and <laughs> they're you know I wonder if that's kind of tied to it. Maybe there's like dissent between the mm-hmm. different factions of Spren or something. And maybe there's this whole big civil rights uh, <laughs> kind of ordeal going on in the Spren, you know, community. <laughs> yeah. What, what actually that also made me think of is that like, we know that the ancient fab or like the ancients were sort of, uh, let's say the heralds were all surprised what, Fabrials, the the modern or how good the modern Fabrials are. Let's say that. So they didn't have this technology back in their day. So I wonder whether maybe they they would have or could have had that technology, but they always like the faction who actually care about the spin. Let's say it like that. Maybe they were around back then and sort of told them no please don't trap spread mm-hmm. it. It's not going to end well. Like mm-hmm. they feel like they are in a power to, uh, in a position to threaten them or threaten Navani. So maybe it is sort of like the, I don't know, spread police who is uh, out for them. And so <laughs> the ancients didn't really, they didn't dare oppose them. And I wonder who put, that gemstone mm-hmm. there, like they had to have known that Navani used white light, the diamonds to work by because they specifically put the garnet in a way that it shone red blinking so that she would see it. And it was like lodged into the wood of her desk, right? Wasn't it like attached with no, something? I think it was attached with uh, wax, uh, wax, I so think. 
Yeah. There was a physical person putting that there and someone who must have been close to Navani mm-hmm. who who would have known like which pod she was going to be in or whatever and <laughs> and knew that she would see it once it started blinking. Hmm. I mean, they probably <laughs> had to have, like, they had to be at the Shattered Plains probably, maybe, because they had to see them landing. And so uh, it's only started mm-hmm. blinking then. So yeah, um, they probably, either they were with them or they were at the planes already when they landed. So mm-hmm. that's how it might have worked out. Actually, something I saw in the Discord earlier is that some people theorized it might have been sleepless. Which I guess oh, would have worked really yeah. well. Little little bug carrying it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but hmm. I we really, I like I hope we we'll quickly learn more about that because at this point yeah. here running is just could yeah. go anywhere. Is this like another secret society? On <laughs> oh God, <laughs> like, oh God. like a spren right society or something. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this God. is just getting ridiculous. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so I yeah. we didn't really touch on it, but uh, Navani also mentioned something else that really wants me to have Dawnshot already is that uh, they apparently found a large stash of soul casters right. in Amir. So probably Dawnshot material. <laughs> something big is gonna happen in that, mm-hmm. and it better. Better come out before like, <laughs> so we can read it. It's, it's going to be like in one chamber they have tons of soul casters, and the other one there are all the missing shard plates, and <laughs> another one there are all the missing shard plates. It's just be... a big fortress full, like a yeah. warehouse. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm really excited for that. Yeah. So. So oh, one final thought maybe about this uh, chapter is that apparently the Fabrials in Eurythiru actually do seem to work like the modern ones in some way. Or at least they seem to have, or from the outside, they seem to do the same thing. They just mm-hmm. don't work as effectively or as efficiently maybe because like uh, Navani says that they made lifts a lot faster and uh, also were able to optimize the design and things like that. So yeah, wondering just how deep into the fabric science the ancients were, really. Yeah, and I wonder, you mentioned earlier something about how the Spren are enslaved in the mm-hmm. newer Fabrials, and in the old ones, they, they're they not as efficient. So I'm wondering if maybe they had more of an agreement or less um, less total control over the Spren or something. Maybe this Ren was able to leave and then come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, maybe because like we know that modern fabrials, the metal is really important and things like that, and it, they actually have a cage around it. So maybe that's mm-hmm. a factor that they didn't have as much of a metal cage back then. But how they and they were and they were depending more on the type of gemstone that yeah. they were using rather than the cage. Maybe just so much still to find out about fabrials, like the epi- epigraphs help, but. They also just drop so many more questions. Um, so let's move on to Shalon's <laughs> point of view. This part made me like stop reading and stand up and like clap my hands. <laughs> <laughs> so I was very, very excited reading this point of view. I'll just like quickly summarize because there's so much and I don't want to like mm-hmm. just rehash what we just read. Um, Shalon and Adolin are traveling the plains across this like fortified bridge highway that they made. Um, and they're discussing the aftermath of their encounter with ILI. And Adolin tries to comfort Shalon and eventually Vale has to kind of step in and take over because Shalon is so worried and kind of dissociating about sharing her secrets with her husband. When Shalon finally musters up willpower to talk to him and she really wants to share her involvement with the ghost bloods she pulls out Eli's book the hidden notebook that she found and shows him some of these like passages and there's some nonsense words that she can't quite make out words like nalithis and skadariel and taldane and 
another one later on that she actually recognizes Thydekar or Thydekar. <laughs> Um, so Shalon continues reading and, and she feels, you know, later on, like an hour later, she, she really didn't reveal her connection with the ghost bloods to Adolin after all. And, and she's worried so much about keeping secrets from Adolin and that it's fueling this formless with a capital F another aspect of her personality that she is desperately trying not to create and it's mentioned earlier in the chapter but this one is where she's she's worried that the fact that she's keeping secrets from her husband Mm -hmm. is forming this formless yeah we should start with this one like oh boy so much to unpack but i'm just gonna start with that shalan and adlin are just absolutely adorable together and it's... Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> there is a quote <laughs> that I want to read <laughs> because I I loved it so much. It was like, oh my God. Um, she turned and pressed her face into his chest. He'd removed his jacket and the shirt beneath reminded her of when he came to their rooms after sparring. He always wanted to bathe immediately and she... Well, she rarely let him. Not until she was done with him, at least. (laughs) I loved it. (laughs) She's really um, not that shy girl that she was in Mm -hmm. Way of Kings anymore. (laughs) Uh, I just, I I really liked, I I was so excited to read about Adolin finally. And so seeing their relationship like this, like very intimate, very... um, comfortable with each other mm-hmm. um like, at least with shalan <laughs> yeah like and shalan actually or adeline or shalan actually promises to adeline that even whale who isn't really into adeline herself but that she does mm-hmm. not get physical with anybody mm-hmm. else so yeah yeah, Adeline. yeah she kind of is like you have nothing to worry about mm-hmm. <laughs> which i always thought that was a weird yeah. um situation that they're in like when (laughs) Shalon and Adolin are you know being intimate what the heck are Radiant and Vale doing like are they just like "Mm, I'm not listening (laughs) it's interesting Mm -hmm. yeah I wouldn't want to be in that situation personally yeah no no I mean Adolin handles it well he doesn't seem to have that much of a problem with it like apart from maybe Vale not like he wants certain guarantees mm-hmm. from the three but mm-hmm. like when when whale comes through he immediately notices and sort of mm-hmm. keeps his distance so he really is trying to deal well with this and is managing in my opinion so that's but he's cool also being honest with her mm-hmm. you know he's being yeah. honest like this is frustrating it is a strain you know trying to deal with this confusing relationship with like it feels like i'm with multiple people um so i, I like that he he admits that he trusts her he says i trust you and any secrets that you have i know you're going to tell me eventually and i really like that but at the same time Shalon feels like his love for her is a trap and she needs to get out of this trap where he trusts her and she keeps secrets from him and she feels so awful about it. And so it's kind of like he's trying and he's putting all this effort into the relationship and she is kind of pulling away almost because of, you know, she, she tries to tell him about the ghost bloods and she tries to tell him about this and that, but she can't (laughs) like she physically (laughs) forgot like her her talking about Eli's notebook kind of did the deed and got her away from talking about the ghost blood so and I mean like the thoughts about formless and sort of creating that fourth persona or maybe sort of unleashing that fourth persona maybe even mm-hmm. like it already exists in some form that is really has me worrying about it like because like she calls it formless and that mm-hmm. almost sounds to me like it would end up like at the end of Oathbringer where she really cycles through all these phases all the time so that she doesn't have to lock down on one perso- personality. And I don't think that would end very well. Like the formless sort of would take over and the other altars don't really have a chance to poke through anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, she promised to herself that she wasn't going to create more. Mm-hmm. And this one is just 
becoming like coming into existence without her really trying to and it also like a lot of people were theorizing that there's this fourth persona that she has Mm -hmm. and i mean that kind of lends credence to that theory like there is a fourth we don't know if that's the one that you know um gave ili the poison or Mm -hmm. something we don't know that but we do know that she is creating another one despite her own best efforts yeah and 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 formless might be working with them or against them like she formless is just formless like Mm -hmm. we don't know what that is so yeah Yeah. and something else that is sort of related to formless is that shalan still has some secrets Mm -hmm. she herself doesn't admit because she doesn't even know whether she knows them sort of because they're in her past and it's just Either it's something something even more horrible than even kill, killing her father and her mother, because she says like she even doesn't want or like what if Pattern learns and um, Adolin yeah. and all her 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 groups or like the Light Weavers. So either it's she something seems that's, so convinced that they mm-hmm. will leave her if yeah. they find out. Like this is something really serious. Like this is more than just patricide and and like. <laughs> I wonder whether that's actually something more, even more horrible, or whether Shalan just thinks that it is, because like she is really good at lying to herself and um, sort of she she really uh, always or uh, immediately jumps to oh what's going to happen? Uh, she always assumes the worst. So um, maybe it's just something not mundane, maybe, but something less drastic than she mm. thinks it might be. Well, in this point of view, she even thinks that Shalon is a mask. Mm-hmm. Like her original personality, she feels is not really her. Which, I mean, who is Shalon? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, I think one of one popular theory is that her final truth will be like, I am not actually Shalandava. I'm sort of some imposter who replaced Shalandava at a young age or something like that. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, this sort of really points in that direction, but I still personally don't like it. Like, uh, yeah, just feels iffy to me. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I can't say that I wouldn't like it if it went in that direction because mm-hmm. obviously I haven't read that. But um, I personally don't like the theory because I feel like it really cheapens our the reader's relationship mm-hmm. with Shalana and learning about her and stuff. Yeah, she has. Uh, She's got some issues, mm-hmm. but there's some other stuff in this mm-hmm. point of view that's not necessarily related to her. <laughs> like these these pages in Ila's notebook. Skadariel, what is that? <laughs> Skadariel. I love how she, she's she's reading them, or maybe Ila wrote them mm-hmm. in like a Rosharan way with with glyphs and stuff like trying to make them almost symmetrical scadarial yeah. and stuff. So what was it? What was the other one? Nalathis. Nalathis and Tal Dane. Like, so, so, yeah, obviously so that's Nalathis, Scadrial, and Tal Dane for those who didn't realize. And yeah, the ghost pets apparently know about these places. And what's interesting is the other like kind of higher ups in the Sons of Honor and in the Ghost Bloods might not know what those places are. Mm-hmm. So like some people do and some people aren't aware. Like Ili obviously didn't know what they were. She was like writing the words down. She thought they were used like nonsense words. Maybe she thought they were some kind of code or something. She didn't know if they were people or places. And she's pretty high up in Sons of Honor, or she was. So, mm. yeah. So <laughs> that really makes me wonder whether Emerim knew what these were, because I sort of assume that she learned most of what she knows of the Sons of Honor through Emerim in some way, form, like either his notes or uh, directly from him. So that almost makes me think that he didn't know. And maybe it was really just Gavala who was in the know about other places. Yeah, and the places that he saw mm-hmm. in in the prologue that Navani was talking about. Like he's seen these places, but she doesn't, you know, she doesn't really realize what he's talking about. Obviously, like 
who would <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like um speaking of like skadrian Nathus and Taldane, it's actually that sort of points in one theory that is commonly held that like we have the Shadesmar map and we have mm -hmm. three expanses there. Like we have the expanse of the Vapors, which I think is confirmed as Gadriel, which makes sense because yes. Mist is uh, Vapors. Yeah, is. yeah, so yeah. Eric's uh, nodding that it is confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> confirmed. Yeah, then we have the expanse of Vibrance, which I think was Rafaud, whether it was Warbreaker, but I mean, it makes a lot of sense that it would be Nalthus. Yeah. And finally, we have the expanse of the broken sky, which people then theorize because it sort of would have fit with the star chart for once and sort of just broken sky, two suns would fill with mm -hmm. Taldane, I think. <laughs> Eric's not looking. Amused. I don't like that theory. <laughs> Producer yeah. Ghost says, I don't like that theory. <laughs> I, I've never liked broken sky. Like, why can't it just be Ashen? Yeah would be another good one but i it at least would make sense that it would be could be broken sky because that then would fit with Gadriel Nathus and Taldane being placed well, that the ghost plots have been yeah and yeah. broken sky kind of makes me think of like you know it's it's separated or mm -hmm. something so like night and day and stuff so. and it might even fit because we know that travel to Taldane in the cognitive realm isn't exactly easy because autonomy did autonomy did something there, so maybe it's literally it looks like a broken sky in the uh, cognitive realm. Who knows? Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that definitely leads uh, lends credence to that theory, and it sort of fits with the items that Mraze has mm -hmm. in his sort of trophy room. Yeah, he has the sand, and he has the doesn't he have like a flower or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah, which we think and is a tier of actually, yeah. Some spikes. Yeah, so some of them definitely. Trying to remember probably, all the stuff that he had. Yeah, it, like it, it was um, sand, um, something like a golden hair, so probably a royal lock from Nalthus. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, that weird hair. flower, which might be, I, I'm not sure, it might be a Marewill or it might be a tier of Edgley. We don't mm. know which one. And he also has like a, a branch from Yolen, uh, like Fane Life branch, but. Um, that's about it, I think. For for oh, and uh, of course he has an avia um, mm -hmm. as right. his pet. <laughs> but <I> so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so that shows that the ghost bloods they don't only know about these places; they were there. So hmm. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, listeners, if you haven't read the other Cosmere books, <laughs> now is probably a good time, time to get on that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and in in previous chapters, um, Ili was saying something about like how Rastaris was probably next for the ghost bloods to kill or something. Mm -hmm. Like she was thinking that he was going to be assassinated. And I said that I thought Shalan should go and try and find him and figure out what's going on with him. And I wonder if he knows about these places or not. Like if he's high enough that he's aware of them or if not. It, it feel if any of the sons of honor know who aren't Gavala, it would be him or them. Mm -hmm. I don't know their gender, yeah. but like it would feel the it would just feel right for them to know because like who else would know in their organization after Gavala's death? But right, and knows. and Thid Thidakar, Thidakar, mm -hmm. I don't know. Shalon had heard that before with Mraes talking about him as a person. Mm -hmm. Um, the master at Thydekar. Yeah, and uh, like Ayala actually theorized whether, like she said something like, maybe Thydekar is a title, like race might be, and uh, she if it was, she doesn't know which language it's from. Mm -hmm. But I think actually like race calling him Martha Thydekar, and mm -hmm. race is a pretty Thalen name. So mm -hmm. I think that's just her theorizing well, and being yeah. wrong, probably. Because like Thydaka does sound mostly like a Roshar name to me, to be honest. So, hmm. don't know. I don't know. Because neither <laughs> Mraze or Thydakar. I guess Thydakar kind of sounds Rosharan to me. But uh, Mraze definitely doesn't. <laughs> well, Mraze does sound th kind of Thalen to me because like the consonants are smashed together <laughs> Yeah. that much. Mm. But And we know that he is, is Thalen, so that would fit. But who knows, maybe there are titles. 
Yeah. Just think that, Maybe like, they're just like an assumed name, like a mm -hmm. pseudonym or something. Yeah. But at least like that master Thidakar, unless like <clears throat> master is just a rank there and Thidakar mm -hmm. is then the actual title. I think Thidakar is an actual name, probably. But And yeah. and there's um, Ayatil, who mm -hmm. we know is from Skadriel, right? Well, she's from Silverlight, but she has Southern Skadrian heritage, yeah. Right. Um, and she had a title in front of her name too, right? Didn't they call her? Race called her Babsk, I think. Babsk. Babsk. Yeah, like the Thalent merchant thing. <laughs> so who knows? It's getting real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the crossovers and stuff are like huge now instead of mm -hmm. just being like a reference like would you like to destroy some evil today instead <laughs> of just being a reference where it's like people who know would know now it's like people who don't know about these things are going to be very confused oh, yeah. like what is this i don't know what, like I actually read a really fun idea early on. This is called, like somebody said that uh, just what Shalan and Adolin named from Nalthus uh, in front mm -hmm. of Vesha or like Sahel, and he mm -hmm. just totally loses his mind. Like, where did you hear that name? <laughs> Something like that would be, and maybe that's what prompt, prompts him to talk about mistakes he made. Who knows? I know like, we do know. need to still figure out what's going on with Azure and. Um, Sahel, Sahel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I, I can't pronounce things. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm not an audiobook it's reader. <laughs> there is a lot in this chapter. There was so much. And I kept like stopping while I was reading it and going, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting like goosebumps up my arms. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Again, the name dropped Nalathus and like, oh, mm -hmm. that was just awesome. Yeah. And my my husband right now is listening to Mistborn. And so <laughs> I can actually share some little things with him because I'm really trying to get him to read Stormlight next. Um, so all of this stuff is really exciting for me. <laughs> Pressure him into doing YouTube videos for us. I know, right? We need that content. Would that would be a comedy skit. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Producer approves. Yeah. So that was chapter nine. <laughs> um, Maybe a random chapter next one next week. Yeah. Oh, I know. Every single week we're like, it's it's got to be a Venley chapter now. Hmm. You can find all of these preview chapters 9 a.m. Eastern time on tour.com. And we'll also let you know on 17thshard.com right at nine o'clock when they come out. Eastern. Uh, you can come and discuss them with us on our forums, on our Discord, in the comments. We love interacting and talking about things and realizing that we left stuff out. <laughs> so please, please talk to us. <laughs> yeah. Bye. See you next week.